0: Hey, welcome back. I have to tell you, Julie and I are thrilled to do today's show for multiple reasons. Reason number one is we like doing the show. Reason number two is we're looking forward to finishing up on this uh, topic that we started a couple weeks ago. And the topic, of course, is about the, essentially, the 2020 uh, predictions. I wouldn't even call them predictions. These are essentially what you should expect to have happen in 2020. So let's call these your 2020 expectations. But the biggest reason is Uh, is because, as a lot of you know, Julie and I live in Puerto Rico. We moved down here about uh, mid-last year, and a lot of you know, all of you seem to know based on the numbers of texts, emails, chats, and whatnot, that the earthquakes really were an absolute shit show down here. Yeah. You know, there's no other nice way to say it. It was uh, starting last week, about 4.30 in the morning, there was this uh, sort of like, Julie and I were both asleep, and all of a sudden, the ground in the house started to shake, and it sort of – we we spent time in California, so those types of things don't really scare us. But this one just did not stop. It just kept on going and going and going. And then after that, there were just lots and lots of earthquakes, and it kept on going on for the next two or three days. Um, and, uh, you know, still now there's little tiny aftershocks. Julie's got this ultra-sensitive inner ear so she can feel even the tiniest little, you know, shaking and shimmering, which obviously in the kind of – <laughs> Which has obviously created a lot of opportunity for me to bother Julie because when she's looking at me, I can start mm-hmm. I, I can just start moving around ever so slightly, and she thinks there's another earthquake. But that aside, so the um, just wanted to give you guys uh, thank you for caring about us, thank you for sending us your best wishes and your prayers, and all is well. We're fine. Um, just in case you're curious, we're going to do a little quick five points on what we learned from living through one of the worst earthquakes uh, in modern history. And we're going to do that show in the next couple of days. But I wanted all of you to know that we are great. There's no real problems here. We've learned a lot from this experience. And, uh, yeah, we're going to probably talk about that Thursday or Friday. But, look, what you need to be focusing on is you need to be focusing on yourselves. You need to be focusing on your business. You need to be focusing on your 2020. You need to be focusing on doing whatever it takes to make this. I hate saying this because it's so trite, but it really is true. Make this your best year ever. And you know, there's a lot of components that go into that very thought, like what does it take to make it your best year ever? And then you start actually writing all these things down and it feels immediately overwhelming. Been there, done that. Trust me, I know what you're feeling. So that's the reason that Julie and I created the Real Estate Treasure Map. The Real Estate Treasure Map is about the easiest and most comprehensive, and you can see those words are sort of contradicting each other, because how can something be comprehensive and easy? It's easy because it's fill in the blank, and it's comprehensive because it's You know, fill in the blank, but there's a lot of blanks to fill in. Business plan. It's not just a business plan. It's a business and life plan. And what this is going to do when you complete this, it's going to take you through all aspects of your business and your uh, your personal life. It helps you go through the five areas of life with goal setting. And Julie and I, as a lot of you long-time listeners, aren't just going to be satisfied with you writing down your goals. For every goal you write down, the plan, the real estate treasure map, Sort of forces you to actually complete not just the plan, not just the goal, but the action plan behind the accomplishment of the goal. So we created this a number of years ago. We revised it every year, but not really too much. I mean, it's kind of was perfect first go around. So we're going to give this to you. It's it's a first sale on Amazon if you want to go buy it. But I just assume give it to you that way you have no excuses not to complete your real estate treasure map. And all you've got to do is text the word Harris to three one nine nine six. Text the word H A R R I S three one nine nine six, And when you do, you're going to be sent a text back and it's going to send you a link to the download page, which is on our website. And then that's it. That's your whole obligation. That's my and Julie and I's commitment to making sure you guys have a fantastic year this year. Now, you will be getting a call back from somebody offering you a free coaching call. And the free coaching call will be with one of our new member coaches, and you will then have an opportunity to then have somebody help you complete the Real Estate Treasure Map and also learn about our Premier Coaching Program. Now, speaking of the Premier Coaching Program, we are going to get to our next point here in a second. A lot of you, hundreds of you are joining the Premier Coaching Program. Welcome aboard. We really appreciate it. For those of you who are uh, coaching, uh, Premier Coaching curious, I want you to, as soon as you possibly can, You know what? Here's the easiest way for you to do it. Just text me directly, and I'll send you directly to one of our lead coaches, and he'll call you back. So text me directly at 512 758 0206. It's 5127580206. And all you got to do is text me the word coaching, and what I'll do is I will forward that to Andrew or Allison or one of our other fantastic new member coaches, and they'll call you immediately back. We are running a promotion uh, in January again, with focused on helping you guys get your year started out uh, strong, where you can join Premier Coaching for actually no money down for 100 bucks for less than 100 bucks a month. Um, if, and there's no contracts. You can cancel at any time. So I want you guys to seriously consider using the combination of tools that I've just told you about. Number one is obviously just you know grab the real estate treasure map, text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. And to learn more about our Premier Coaching Program, just go ahead and text me direct, and that is my real cell phone number. And if you have any questions, you want to chatter about something, I'm all for it. Um, our uh, TV doesn 't work, so look, guys. I have hours to fill in the evening, so if you want to text talk about something, please go ahead and text me at five one two seven five eight oh two zero six but again, a sincere uh, heartfelt thank you for all of you who did wish uh, us so many the prayers and the emails and the when we finally got back online our, we didn 't go online really with our cell phones, but you know, we were just getting calls and texts, but when we finally went back online, we went to Facebook and all the private messages and all the other things. It was hundreds, which was just really, you know, it's really nice and wonderful that you guys thought of us like that. It, it was more well wishes and concerns and I think probably Julie and I had even on our birthdays combined, which is always a nice little surprise from all of you. So there it is, those two things. All right, Julie, let's jump. Do you have any other announcements or anything? Yes. Or can we just jump right into our next point?
1: Hey, isn't
0: it fun to be on the podcast <laughs> live again?
1: I know. It's funny, the uh, comfort in routine sometimes. And to share oh, with I all of these it. guys. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been funny. an adventure. It's I have to a, say, it's it's most interesting uh, Christmas slash New Year's season in a long time. So never a dull moment.
0: Yeah. Let's <laughs> okay, not do that again. <laughs> no. No, definitely
1: not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so, let's get to our the next big, point. Here's yes. the big question. We're talking about 2020 predictions, and we got three points one through five on our uh, first podcast on this. So we're continuing that. The big question, Recession. Not likely in 20. Now all the here's something interesting. We're going to compare the leading indicators, and then we're going to compare that to uh, realtor and broker opinion here in a second. So, not likely in 2020. All the leading economic indicators still have a lot of juice in them, despite the fact that manufacturing and industrial production have been slowing. The resolution of the trade war with China will help per, uh, boost corporate confidence, and the U.S. consumer r- remains strong due to healthy jobs market, low inflation, and low gas prices. However, here's what I found interesting in my research for this, and I – you know, recession's is a big scary word, especially those of you guys who went through it last time around, and maybe even scarier if you didn't because you have fear of the unknown – So I did a lot of research before I I announced this point that recession is unlikely in 2020, but part of that research showed that in a recent Zillow poll of 100 plus, quote, real estate experts, the results showed that more than 50% of respondents believe that there will be a recession in 2020. Most common reasons that were stated were the feeling that the housing prices have more than recovered from the housing crash and that such price increases are unsustainable. Most agents also believe that interest rates will go up and create stagnation in the market. Now, in a previous point, I think it was actually our first point, we talked about interest rates are actually going to stay low and possibly, crazy as this sounds, maybe even go lower. So there is a, maybe a chasm between what agents are believing based on, you know, one, one could argue that prices have been going up so steadily for so long that something has to happen. I, I get why people think that. And same with interest rates being so low for so long. But all of the other indicators, like jobs, uh, low inflation, all of that kind of stuff, um, would argue otherwise. What would you contribute to that, Tim?
0: First of all, Julie, come where I am because your reception will be better. Uh, And second of all, I just think it's hilarious that Zillow did a survey of agents asking agents for their economic predictions um, and they said prices are too high, so there's going to be a recession and interest rates are going to go up. But there was no
1: – I originally know.
0: shared with me the article, and we both had a good laugh about it, to be honest with you, because there, no, there was no actual uh, why. You know? So here's the reason we believe interest right. rates are going Just to go opinion. down. Right. So here's why we believe interest rates are going to go down. We do believe that um, probably into next year, there's going to be some leading indicators that the economy is slowing down. The Fed has already said that if they see any reason to believe the economy is going to slow down, that they're going to lower interest rates. That's why we believe interest rates are going to go down. That's it. That's as much information as we really needed. Now, here's another little thing, and we learned this uh, from actually talking to one of our neighbors, a guy named Peter Schiff, who you guys might know from all the news channels, CNBC, Bloomberg, and whatnot. We see him at the, the gym almost every morning. I talk to him about interest rates, and we also listen to his podcast, is that he said his opinion is, and, and you know, it's, this is based on essentially uh, I would call legitimate information. He's basing his predictions that interest rates are going to go down. And that there's going to be signs of an uh, of a uh, you know an economic slowdown into next year, and his his opinion is inflation is going to increase. So what does that mean? And we talked about this, Julie, in our last uh, when we were finishing up these points before the earthquake hit. That the mm-hmm. uh, reason to believe that there's going to be when, when inflation hits, what that means is that real estate prices will increase even more. And so Peter's opinion, and I kind of like this, and I've really thought about this a lot because it makes total sense. Peter's opinion is if you're purchasing real estate right now, knowing that interest rates are going to go down, and Julie and I have been, you know, we're huge Dave Ramsey pay off all your debt fans. Trust me when I tell you that, you know, when you guys come to us and you have any kind of financial problems, as your coaches, what we're going to do is we're going to put you on a steady diet of Dave Ramsey to get your financial house in order, and that works nine times out of ten. So what Peter's suggesting is that if interest rates go down, which, again, you know why, and if those, if that happens, and inflation increases, what that's going to do it's going to cause asset values—not all assets, but some assets—a house being an asset—to increase. So, an asset increases, borrowing cost to buy said asset decreases. So, Peter's example was: if you can borrow a, uh, this right? What is order going rates right now in the, in the threes, which is insane, by the way. Mm-hmm. But let's say rates drop down to two points, you know, or two and a quarter, or something like that, and the house. Uh, inflates, or you know, some sometimes people, um, you know, will say inflation and, and uh, appreciation are the same, and they're really not. But let's just say inflates or appreciates by six to, you know, four to six percent. Let's let's just hope that inflation doesn't go crazy. But let's say it increases by four to six percent, and that all happens, and you're paying what half that, less than half that, for your um, actual interest on your mortgage. What you're going to see is the house will out, the house increase in value will outpace the actual interest you're paying on the loan. So the the, the move to make in those situations is borrow more money to buy a house that's going to essentially make it so that the you know a, the, it's free for you is there really the punchline to all that. Again, this is not normal advice Julie and I ever give to coaching clients, but these are strange times. There's, there's not in sort of my lifetime, Julie's lifetime, there's not been a time where there's been this long of an economic expansion. It seemingly is continuing. Hey, it turns out that we don't have to have – seven or eight or nine years of expansion followed by a nasty recession. It turns out that that was just a theory that maybe now that we're in this different phase because of a whole host of reasons, maybe that is going to no longer be the case for the rest of our lifetimes. I don't know. Not smart enough. I'm a real estate coach. (laughs) If I was smart enough to really thoroughly understand this, I'd be working for Peter Schiff. Okay, Julie, next point.
1: Yes, next point. Millennial buyers. According to year-end reports for 2019 – 37% of home buyers were actually millennials. The greatest difference with these buyers is their use of technology to search for properties and their preference towards texting about everything from setting up showings to negotiating. If you're not up to speed with the best real estate apps and used to texting, you might be missing a large piece of the market, like almost 40%. Also, don't assume that they're in the bottom of the price ranges that you work that's always been common thinking, right? First-time buyers, oh, you don't really work with them because they're not spending much money. But in actuality, according to an article in Realtor Magazine, they're increasingly skipping the starter home and immediately going for something bigger and more expensive. One-third of millennials who purchased homes in 2018 paid $300,000 or more a steep step up from the averages we're all used to hearing about 150 to 250 that most buyers point down for their first purchase in previous years so they're waiting a little bit longer there's a whole bunch of them almost 40% of the market and they're spending more than you think so if you're ignoring the millennial buyers you're ignoring 40% of the market and that's based on real facts and reporting so that's going to be a major factor and I think that that also is affecting inventory and some other things but you have to be able to go where the market is leading you Point number eight. And Do follow, you want
0: to hover there? Follow, follow up. Go ahead. Follow up with the fact that Generation Z, the generation following the Millennials, they're starting to purchase houses too. So again, it's this true. goes to the fact that we're we're dealing with some a massive, um, you know, demographic uh, forces that are going to really reset the the board game. Clearly, they are. Between Julie and I are Generation X. Some of you, you know, a lot of you guys, are Baby Boomers, and then you have you know all these marketing terms millennials and generation z but really here's what you need to focus on that is a ton of people that need to buy and sell real estate that's really the bottom line and there's obviously you're dealing with a lot of immigrants that are wanting to come to the united states there's all kinds of visa you know type you know let's call them deals that if you purchase real estate you can get a visa quicker and all these different things that are going to absolutely positively add more tailwinds to the entire real estate um market going forward regardless guys of what happens in the overall economy there's still going to be lots of people buying and selling real estate you know there. get this having a real estate license is one of the biggest blessings you've ever given yourself so make sure you're making the most of it we're giving you reasons to be optimistic in 2020 all right i'm going to read this next one instant offers they're not going away Look for startup iBuyers such as Knock, Offer, Open Door to seek additional funding rounds to fuel their entry into the new markets. All three raised uh, millions in 2019. The increasing adoption of iBuyers uh, in- into the residential space may also lead to the development of faster and more automated leasing and buying platforms on the commercial side. So here's some thoughts for you. First of all, I want to tell you guys what's going on. When you read these articles specifically about Zillow's iBuyer program, losing money for every transaction, I want you to forget that, okay? Don't even read that. When you go into Inman and some of these other sites, and they and, they, and these agents sort of arrogantly act like, oh, did you see that You know, Zillow loses $7,500 per house for every iBuyer transaction that they do? They're never going to be able to sustain that. They're all going to go out of business, That da, 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 da. da. What they don't realize is they're playing the long game. All these iBuyers are competing to see who can play the long game. They're competing for dominant market share in the iBuyer space. That is what's going on. It's, it's the wild, wild west in the iBuyer space, and these guys are all going to do whatever it takes to make it so that they become the dominant go-to brand for iBuyers. That's the actual essence of what's happening. So for them and for their investors, at least now, you know, they don't care how much money they lose per house. It does not matter. They're looking to become, let's call it the Netflix or the, you know, the, the Kleenex or the whatever brand, big brand name you're thinking. That's where they're focusing all their best efforts. That's the reason that you need to be focusing on what they're doing and you need to be asking yourself what your broker is doing to compete. So if your broker, does your coff- does your broker offer something or your big, you know, national brand offers something to compete with the I buyers. Uh, Express offers, for example, eXp announced earlier this year a platform that enables agents to submit their sellers' homes to several institutional investors who can make an instant cash offer. Now, I'm going to edit that. Here's another thing you can do. If you're an eXp agent, you can actually go and find a house for sale that's not your listing and you could submit it into the iBuyer, The Express Offers of, uh, uh, eXp's um, iBuyer uh, platform, and you could actually sell that house to the iBuyer and get a buyer's agent commission on that. It's a listed property with another agent. You can submit it, and then you can get paid on the buyer's agent side just because you're the one that introduced the investors. Now, obviously, the math has to make sense from their perspective, but if you're not an eXp agent, if you're not realizing – essentially all the things that eXp is doing to revolutionize the real estate space. um, There's a really great, great easy way for you to find out just text the word eXp to 31996 text the word eXp to 31996 eXp is going to be in real estate. You know, this should have been, Maybe maybe another macro point, Julie, but EXP is mm-hmm. the major conversation that people are having about bro- are having about brokerages right now. EXP is the fastest growing real estate brokerage in the history of real estate brokerages. They're, now, why are they so why are they growing so fast? Because essentially they have a really kick-ass brokerage model. There's that, but also because they create different financial streams for agents. And if you want to learn more about that, I want you to text the word EXP to 31996. Julie and I, and the 20-plus years we've been in the real estate space, Julie was a KW agent for a blank. We are EXP – I'm sorry, we were uh, REMAX agents for a long time. We have never seen anything that's as agent-centric as EXP's business model. We know people, guys, who have been with EXP for a short while, who not only are making more money – well, I'll give you an example. Call it McDonald. She's in Atlanta. She did the math on her being with EXP, and I won't take you through all the semantics of the different reasons why what I'm about to tell you is true, but she ended up not only not paying EXP anything last year because essentially she qualified through different programs, but because she was a shareholder and the stock also increased in value, she actually had net-net EXP pay her. That's not even including the revenue share model. So I want you guys to go ahead and text the word EXP to 31996. Text the word EXP to 31996 and learn more about uh, EXP. And when you do, you're going to be sent back a link to a really quick, very you know, informative video. Watch the video. Someone from our office or our team will call you back and answer all the questions. You really do need to be at least aware of what EXP is offering, so that you look—you've know, got to be wondering why it is that literally tens of thousands of agents are joining EXP every year. Um, last year, it was I think ten or maybe um, what did then this Close to fifteen thousand agents joined around the country, guys. That is an absolute revolution. That's not ever happened before. You need to learn why that's happening. Why so many of the best agents in the nation are joining EXP? Text the word EXP to three one nine nine six. All right, Julie. Oh. <laughs> that yes. was point number nine. Oh, sorry. It was. More brokers moved – point number nine. Well, I'll just read it then real quick. Point number nine, more brokers moved EXP as they realize they can't make profit. in a, If they can't make profit in a boom market, they won't make it in a slowing market. I just told you guys why. So, again, text the word EXP to 31996. EXP, no spaces, just those three letters to 31996. And you'll get a quick introduction, seven-minute video back. And at least – all of you guys should be at least EXP curious. Now, if you're really seriously ready to join EXP, if you've already done your exploration, you realize this is something you want to do and you don't want to waste any more time waiting, you can go ahead and contact me directly and I'll help you get it done. 512-758-0206. 512-758-0206. All right, Julie, read number 10, please.
1: Yes. Point number 10, you have demonstrated with so many great interviews for single agents or agents that have just one assistant. The team model declared a failure officially 2020 and that's not even a point to discuss because you have, I mean, I, I can't even think of how many, even recently four or five interviews where agents are killing it without having to have a huge team, thus making their net pretty spectacular. So you marry that to something like an EXP model. I mean, it's life changing. So that's what I have well, to say us talk particular it's point. It's declared
0: a failure. It's declared a failure, assuming you actually want to make a profit, okay? If you don't care well, about making a profit, <laughs> yeah. If you don't care about making <laughs> a profit and you're in, in you're more ego oriented, and you basically want to get all the awards and the plaques and all the attention, and you want everyone to see that you think you're something that you know doesn't have anything to do with ever building any real financial future for yourself or your family. Well, then the team model works great. If you're one of the smart agents who actually wants to make it so that you're rich, where your money works for you, you no longer have to work for your money, then you definitely want to seriously reconsider any ideas of building a team. Again, we have done so many podcasts on this. Don't take our word for it, guys. Go back and listen to the podcast. We did one recently with a guy named Don Yoga. Don was, in essence, an executive at Keller Williams. And he went through the numbers when he was working at Keller Williams. And let's just agree that Keller Williams has been the biggest pusher of the team model ever. And Don went through very succinctly and talked about why Basically saying all the same things we've always said, but talking about why the team model is such a crock of shit. The biggest one being is why is it that the brokers just push the team model on the agents? It's very simple because then you get these agents who, frankly, aren't really able to have done any independent research because they've never had anybody giving them the opposite view, the truth view, like what we're doing right now, telling these agents, don't do the team model if you want to build a profit. When you're being presented with the idea of building a team, do you guys notice they never talk about increasing profits? Here's why. Because you don't make any. You don't make any, and pretty much on a routine basis, your whole team quits. And that's what Don talks about. So I want you to go ahead and uh, listen to that past podcast. Just go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, you know, go to you know, Spotify, <laughs> go to our main website, timandjulieharris.com, uh, and uh, look up Don Yocum. Uh, Y-O-A-K-U-M and he goes through point by point but here I'll, I'll summarize one of the things I learned from actually another former Keller Williams executive is that 96% of all what was it? Nine, yeah, 96% of all teams fail And no no it's 94% of all teams fail so 6% of the teams uh, that don't fail something like less than 1% actually make a profit that would be more than something like 10% so the numbers are crazy don't bother doing it and it, again Julie's point when you go and look at the um, the agents that are the most profitable, they don't have big teams. You know, look at uh, somebody like um, Robert Johnson in Greenwich, Connecticut. 130, 135 million last year. Number one agent in his brokerage. Number one agent in Connecticut. Number one agent in his brokerage in New York City. Um, look, no team. He has one assistant, one one person. That's not it. That's not what you guys are thinking. You guys are being sold a bill of goods that is not in your best interest and look at jade mills look who's you know a massive agent out in la look at a chuck williamson one of the biggest most successful agents in all the country that you've never heard of because he's focused on basically taking care of his customers and taking care of his clients and he does not have a team but he has a massive profit and where is he selling north carolina wilson north carolina ever heard of it nope but have you ever heard of chuck you should again you can listen to it on itunes his podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or just go to timandjulieharris.com. Jules, I think we have time for another point.
1: Yes, indeed. So Thank this one Julie. is kind of interesting and a little, a little bit out of the box. Can you hear me?
0: Yeah, I, I can, can hear you hear me. Me.
1: Yeah. Okay, sorry, it sounded funny in my headset. Okay, so point number eleven: investor incentives. According to the Economic Innovation Group, known as EIG, quote: As of October 2019. 115 listed funds have identified affordable and workforce housing as well as community revitalization among their investment priorities, a nearly four-fold increase since the beginning of 2019. Most of these developments are focused on providing affordable housing for wage earners who make around 40% to 70% of the area median income. So I uh, got a great quote from uh, a writer at Motley Fool, As construction and development for investment projects in opportunity zones and we've done podcasts about opportunity zones we've also talked about it in premier coaching i expect more private firms to follow suit we're already seeing a growing number of private companies outside of opportunity zone investment areas focus their efforts on constructing new housing projects converting existing housing into affordable housing or creative new adaptive reuse projects where they convert old vacant buildings like factories, schools, and office space into, guess what, residential housing. So there's an unusual place to look for inventory that you guys are always starving for. That's a whole other segment of the market that should be booming in 2020. So time for one more or are we done? Up to you. Uh,
0: no, this next point pretty big. And don't you have to get to uh, Premier Is Coaching? It. No, we have time. Yep. Let's do one more point. Okay, okay I'll read this one, Julie. Um, okay, so okay. this one's a good point. I really like this one. I'm trying to remember, Ameritopia, I don't remember where Julie and I originally learned about this, but there's a great book that we read, I wish I remembered it, Julie. Anyway, here's the point, it is, I'm looking for it, it's about bifurcation. Bifurcation means that something is not all the same, it has two or more parts, acting in different, I can tell Julie, look this word up. Acting in different ways. The story, <laughs> the story of 2020 will be what happens in your neighborhood will not match what happens in your friends who also lives across street, across town, across the country. Um, you must study your subject property more in depth than in previous years to understand pricing. Both for your buyers and for a meritocracy, I think maybe that was the name of the book for sellers. <laughs> Gonna bug you Here, all day. Here's I'll look it up. I, well, no, I'm I'm a research. Yeah, if you can oh we can look it up later. But here's the concept, okay? So when you have bifurcation, when you have you have a this is something that Julie and I read about it in this book. The book's probably five or six years old, and we were experiencing it through our coaching clients. But now five years later, I see it happening in almost all major markets. And what does that mean? The experience that Some people have the the experience that you have is more different than the experience that you've ever had with any of your neighbors before or any of so it back in the fifties, let's just use that as an example. Back in the fifties, you would have a boss in a company live maybe two doors down from one of his line employees. You would have intermingling of people with different incomes. You would have different uh, people, Essentially, if you drive through a lot of the East Coast towns there 's certainly nicer areas, but the nicer areas are not walled up behind three sets of gates with guards and barbed wire on you know like it is nowadays across the country now what 's happened over the years is not only have people are they are they living in their bubbles but they 're also going to schools that have nothing that are they 're separate from the schools that are just you know the private oh you guys all know what i 'm talking about right it gets even more, in- more in- interesting. They're not shopping at the same grocery stores. Uh, essentially, what we're seeing is bifurcation, the division of two, or into many multiple parts. Bifurcation implies that there's essentially a more distinct have-and-have-nots than there ever has been in the United States. That is normal and natural. It's nothing to fight against or rally against or somehow think that there's some sort of political movement afoot. It just is what it is because what's happened is there's some people whose families were successful maybe one or two generations ago and they continue to be successful generation after generation. So through accumulation and momentum, they've obviously become wealthier and wealthier, and they then are uh, they're living in the same areas where there's all these other people that are of similar economic situations whose kids go to these similar you know, schools, and then you see essentially those kids marrying each other, and that continues. There's nothing you can really do about it. It's not good. It's not bad. It just is what it is. But when you're then in a real estate market, if you don't understand how real estate markets are getting sliced nowadays, back when, even when Julie and I were selling real estate back in the 90s into the very early 2000s, it was easy to do a CMA, a neighborhood, you know, similar uh, square footage, similar this, similar that, but it's even gotten more complicated because you're now realizing that the nature of the, the likes and the dislikes, the preferences of the people that you're working with have become, become more finely tuned. People don't just want to live in say Clintonville, Ohio anymore, or Clinton, you know, Clintonville, uh, you know, one of the areas where they used to sell real estate. They want to live in a specific section because it's closer to a freeway to take their kids to a specific private school. And those kids – when they're not in school, they're intermingling with these other – you guys understand what I'm saying, most of you. If you're somewhere in the Midwest, you're still living the way it was, That, frankly, when Julie and I were growing up. When we were growing up, we went to schools. Uh, you know, I was a poor kid. Julie was a middle-class kid. But we would go to schools, and we would run into kids whose parents were very wealthy. You know, you would play with these kids and become friends with them, and then you'd have sleepovers, you know, and you'd go to these freaking mansions, relatively speaking, where you were living in, or I was living in some little dinky house clear across town, but we are still friends with them. Nowadays, that doesn't happen. I ho- hopefully that makes the point. So when you're doing a CMA, when you're trying to understand, there's, also, there's bifurcations that are happening everywhere, people's preferences, how they shop, their tastes, their trends, construction quality. Like for example, if you're reading books and magazines, whatnot, it look Frederick Eklund, who's been on our podcast uh, a couple times, and you guys probably know him from um, a million dollar listing selling New York and all that. So one of the things that Frederick talks about really well in his book is he talks about the fact that when you're dealing with new construction, you've really got to know who your customer is, because what's happening is that customer in New York. Now this was back in the boom when he was referencing this, but i'm still I'm sure it's still true they're not just basically basing their preferences and their likes and dislikes on what they're reading in the same magazines that say somebody in midwest some midwestern community is uh, is uh, reading they're traveling to europe they're traveling on some cases private planes they're buying expensive cars their experience on this planet is a huge difference from the rest of normal America so if you're trying to uh, sell to say those upper end folks, which a lot of you want to focus on luxury and that's fine. You need to absolutely submerge yourself in what their expectations are. And there's it's not difficult to do, but you really can't fake it. And when Julie and I were selling real estate, I know you gotta get a premier coaching, Julie. Thank you for your notes today. When Julie and I were selling real estate, we started out in a meat and potatoes price range. And this meat and potato price range was in Columbus and Worthington and it's basically where we grew up. And then we got bored. You know, we were doing really well, 100 to 200 houses a year we were selling, but we wanted more of a challenge. And there was this new area clear across town called New Albany, Ohio, that was being developed by a billionaire named Les Wexner. And this community at the time was prominently Jewish. And all the kids that were there had, it seems like most all the realtors knew each other from their synagogues and from their private schools, none of which Julie and I had any background in whatsoever. So on the surface, you would say we are in, and the market was dominated. Get this, the market was dominated by a real estate brokerage that was started by the best friend of the billionaire developer who, who basically developed the whole area. If you guys have never been to New Albany, Ohio, New Albany Country Club area, it is and probably will remain one of the most beautiful residential master plan communities on the face of planet Earth. It is spectacular. And to think it's basically in Columbus, Ohio, it'll blow you away. Georgian mansions, but the the amenities are just unbelievable. So we were selling normal houses, houses that were built after World War II, little cracker box houses, and we wanted a bigger, broader experience. So we went out to New Albany, Ohio, and it took us about two years, and then we'd become the prominent listing agents. What did we do? Guess what we ended up doing to do that? We studied what the market was like. Now, fortunately, a lot of the people were – You know, they were first generation uh, wealthy people, which Julie and I at the time were working on. So they appreciated the fact that we had, as they would refer to us, as having chutzpah. (laughs) And uh, yes, and we'd work our butts off for them. And the agents that had been there. But they were at the disadvantage because they did not really, and I'm not saying this is universally true, but it's what the sellers would say to us, they were not servicing the sellers and going above and beyond because those agents who had grown up in that type of environment had more of a sense of entitlement to the business. And so they didn't service the sellers. They weren't having conversations with the sellers about pricing. They weren't doing open houses. They just weren't working the listing like Julie and I would. Because Julie and I had cut our teeth selling normal-priced houses in a normal-priced area, we were used to working our asses off. So when we rolled into that more expensive market, our work ethic, what we knew it took to get the job done, was something that really resonated with all the folks that we ran across. So when Julie and I would go after an expired listing and we'd show them what we would do, guess what? These upper end agents, they didn't have pre-listing packs. They didn't have listing presentations. They didn't have pricing scripts. They didn't have nothing. And so we basically were able to really dominate. And eventually the market started to realize what, you know, essentially that they needed to become more competitive, and a few of them did. But the moral of the story is, is don't be afraid of going after the upper end market. But we, Julie and I, would research what they like to wear, where they wanted to go to vacation, where they would go to shop, where they would, you know, everything. We, ex- we investigated everything. And when we start going on listing appointments, and we talk about this in our book, Harris Rules, and this is really a great important topic when, you know, you guys are trying to decide the simple thing is how you dress. It was what Julie and I did is we had listing presentation outfits That we got because we notice when we go on these listing presentations, we're big advocates of removing your shoes, right? When you walk into someone's house, especially if they're not wearing their shoes, we would notice that they would notice what kind of shoes, especially Julie was wearing. We would notice that they were looking us, looking us up and down to see, well, whether or not you know, Tim and Julie were, were people that had any experience dealing with people like them or not. But they were looking for the visual cues and clues, really, as to find out whether or not they felt comfortable with us. As silly and petty as that sounds, you do the same damn thing. Let's just say you're a normal middle-class person. You're looking at other normal middle-class people, or you're looking at other people trying to figure out if they're part of your tribe. Well, well-off people, rich people, and, and, and we are fortunate enough to work with some extremely rich people, they do the same thing. So you have to think and dress and act and speak and have a broader perspective than just your own little bubble, right? And then you start going after the market, but then you have to learn the market, and that's really where they would choose to do business with us because Julie and I were very, very, very precise in understanding the different types of construction quality, the different areas in this community that were more desirable than others and why. We really spent a ton of time learning about what the developer, new neighborhoods, new housing, new housing styles, we would go – Julie and I would go to New York City, and we would go down to Miami. We would go to these areas that were like a generation ahead of Columbus, Ohio, and we'd look to see what the big trends were in kitchens and bathrooms and colors and all this silliness, right? But it made a huge difference when we'd go on these listing appointments because they felt felt more comfortable with us. Uh, Eklund Frederick talks about the same thing in his book. He would go and he researches the bathroom fixtures and he would show people builders. He'd go on listing presentations with builders and developers and he would make suggestions of things that he saw when he was over in Finland or when he was over in Germany. He would see a certain type of bathroom fixture or some sort of tile. He'd take pictures of it. He'd show it to the developer who was just going to do the same thing he'd been doing that the market was probably growing tired of and say have you considered doing this? And that unique not only attracted that developer to him to list the you know the the, the project, but also the sell, the buyers would then say, well, this is unique because they did these different things that nobody else is doing. You guys get it? That's how you become competitive. That's not how you just become competitive, but that's how you dominate a particular market. All right. So listen, guys, I'm so thrilled to be able to do a live podcast again. It feels wonderful. Oh, I feel good. Um, if you're in Premier Coaching, please go to the live Premier Coaching call every day. Uh, Julie runs that. Rochelle covered for us last week. And definitely attend live. Ask questions. If you're ready to join EXP, text me directly at 512 758 0206. In the meanwhile, to get your fill in the blank real estate treasure map, your 2020 business plan, just go ahead and text the word uh, Harris, H A R R I S, to 31996. Text the word Harris to three one nine nine six and when you do we're gonna send you back a direct link to download the real estate treasure map and we're also then going to call you and give you an opportunity to have a free coaching call. So listen guys, thank you for all your well wishes. It meant the just logging back on for the first time in a week and seeing just in the absolute onslaught of people praying and hoping the best for us. We really do appreciate it. We're gonna do a quick kind of fun podcast on the five things learned about living through one of the worst earthquakes in modern history. Um Probably uh, on Friday, but in the meanwhile, you guys have a fantastic day, and we'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching.
1: For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows.